0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process
1: in all genres. Now, today we are talking in the suspense, thriller, organized crime, all that sounds like politics, no, and uh, (laughs) so we've got a Canadian author who's uh, got a newer book out called A Web of Deceit, Um, Gary McGugan. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Really looking forward to our conversation. Well, we'll see if you're happy at the end. (laughs) You never know. Um, So it looks like you've had quite the history. It looks like you were a business person. You were a guy that's a consultant, business leader, and you've done all sorts of jobs. Um, What made you get into writing. Well, uh,
0: yeah, I had a I had a wonderful career. I'm, I'm very grateful for all the opportunities that I had to work with some excellent corporations and accumulate some great experiences. And uh, When I retired, uh, exactly uh, 13 years ago right now, as a matter of fact, I retired. And uh, at that stage, uh, a colleague of mine and a a longtime friend uh, decided that uh, what we would like to try to do is give back to uh, folks that were uh, emerging in the uh, business world some of the, the benefit of some of the insights that we've been able to gain over the years. So uh, we co-authored, actually, a work of nonfiction to start out. And uh, it was a book called Deeds Selling Solutions. And we used that as the foundation for our consulting business, which uh, we operated for 10 years. And uh, basically from that, um, learned that while writing is, of course, demanding and has lots of challenges with it, Um, my lifelong interest in writing uh, was actually uh, kindled more by that experience. And I I started to think about the opportunity to write fiction. And uh, for three or four years, thought about it and started working. And now I've actually uh, published five novels and having a great time and working on the sixth.
1: Well, you know, but um, coming from... uh... Because a lot of writers have, have, are people that have written their whole life. And so they get comfortable in, in their own skin and they get comfortable with being able to write and not worry about feedback and, start, you know, this whole social media world. Um, but for someone like yourself, when did you feel enough confidence? Or what was it that gave you that confidence to be able to publish a book and kind of go, well, here it is? Well, I think
0: I've always had an interest in reading, and I think anyone who has an interest in reading uh, has an interest in writing on some level. And um, I think throughout my business career, whether I was writing a business letter or working on some ad copy or uh, uh, preparing a presentation, whatever the the task that I happened to be involved with that uh, involved working with words, I always took a lot of pride. And uh, in so doing, I think I honed writing skills as a business person so that uh, when it came time to write, I did have a, a good level of basic confidence. And I'm also a sort of an individual that believes that life is a continuous learning process. So um, I'm very happy to, to uh, welcome feedback and uh, have tried to move up the learning curve of effective writing as, as quickly and as effectively as I can.
1: Well, what's, what's, what do you consider yourself as? Like what kind of writer, if someone picks up one of your books, um, what a beginning.
0: Well, I hope that they feel that they're getting very entertaining suspense stories. Um, I always write with an element of crime, and I almost always write with a, a fairly uh, heavy component of the corporate life built in as well. Uh, that started from the, the old adage that we should write what we know about. And uh, I think I understand and have lived the corporate life as as well as anybody. So I try to incorporate uh, uh, a fair amount of what I like to think of as realism into the story so that although it is fiction and the plots are are pure fiction, purely the product of my wild imagination, uh, they do feel that they, um, if not are real, could be real.
2: Do you find that your business career with uh, deadlines and such has made you a more uh, efficient storyteller? I think it's made me a more efficient
0: writer. Um, I don't know if it's maybe a more efficient storyteller, but um, as a writer, I I think I have um, a fair amount of discipline, which I think is a characteristic that a a good writer needs. Um, I like to write virtually every day for three hours, basically my 9 to, nine to 12 window every, every morning is writing. And um, when we set aside that time, we do it uh, as a matter of discipline, and we, we keep forging forward. Uh, it's remarkable how many words we can get down.
1: Well, you know, I can't write that way. I, I've tried that several times, but every time I set up a time and I sit down, I'm just not in the mood. Um, so that's that's crazy because I find that I block a lot of times, or I'm, if I'm not in the mood, the writing's not going to be good. So I kind of will sit down, then I end up not writing. <laughs> and and I know a
0: lot of people that, that, that approach it that way as well, that have a have a challenge. Um, I think that's one of the things that does carry over from the business career. It's uh, we we set up we set aside a time to do things and and proceed to do it. Um, I, also, I also have another habit that uh, some writers may or may not have, but I, I love to walk. And um, I try to get out uh, every day uh, that, that uh, the weather allows me to get out. And uh, I like to walk for about one and a half to two hours at a fairly brisk pace. And uh, basically, I don't use a headset or listen to music or anything like that. I, I just think during that period of time. So, typically, when I go out uh, this afternoon, I'll be working on, in my brain, tomorrow's writing, and thinking about what challenges I have to overcome in the story, the technical issues that I may have to deal with, uh, uh, plot adjustments, or, or purely new copy, and as a result, um, when, I, when I get up the, the following morning and I'm, I'm ready to go, I, I actually feel ready to go, because I, I kind of thought it all out previously, and and now I really just have to put the words to paper.
1: So, so you're you're writing about what you know about. So you've got the experience. Does that mean you're a criminal in the corporate world? <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> just I, I thought I check, right because you, you won't right? tell anybody. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is where I have to evoke that fiction
2: plea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I uh, I have um, been in 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 business. Uh, from a perspective where uh, we get to see um, a lot of the insides of, of corporations uh, as they were customers of ours. So about 21 years of my career was involved in the world of, of commercial finance. And we lent money to corporations. And we actually lent to businesses of all size. We have lines of credit was low as a hundred thousand and the largest one that I worked on was 150 million so we have we covered that gamut and as one works on those kinds of uh, sort of intimate details about companies the financial statements and the, the, the backgrounds that one has to look at to make a decision on granting credit it is actually quite surprising how much, uh, one can learn about um, the kind of people that they're dealing with or proposing to deal with, and uh, again, I treated that as a as an education and a wonderful opportunity to learn. So, some of the insights that I get from the from the criminal side, um, while I may not have had a direct involvement with, um, was able to sort of piece together from bits and pieces of information that we would accumulate.
1: So what, what do you think, you know, being in the corporate world, and now you're writing these suspense thrillers, um, in general, what do people get wrong about the corporate world? So what do you, and I mean this in, so people like me or David or people just in the regular world who are not part of it, um, we probably have some sort of idea what we think of corporations. You know, there's a general population thought on corporations what do you think we get wrong
0: well i think um one of one of the one of the activities that i really enjoy doing is is going out to uh signing events and i i do a lot of work with bookstores like chapters and indigo and and get to meet a lot of their customers that way and it's interesting when i when i'm talking with some of these folks and uh, of course they ask me what the book's about and that sort of thing i give a little bit of a, a description and it's surprising how many people will reply ooh business no i you know i get enough of that at work i don't want it. i don't want any of that stuff <laughs> and and of course what they're visualizing is the sort of mundane uh water cooler talk and and the rumors, the innuendo, a lot of the political stuff that goes on in corporations, and and they're presuming that it's that kind of boring stuff that uh, that I'm going to deal with in the book, and and of course I try to make sure that nothing could be farther from the truth. Um, I think I think the way I'm writing these stories, I write it from the the most senior levels of the organization and from the, from the perspectives of what goes on and what they call the C-suite, the, the, the executive suite. And uh, at that level, there is actually a fundamentally different world and a fundamentally different ecosystem than the great majority of people would relate to in when, they can, when they actually think about business and corporations.
1: Mm. yeah it's pretty interesting um so so let's take your your newest book a web of deceit um so the title itself kind of sets it up i, I imagine um so your main characters in there um i, I see you've got um a fugitive uh, howard knight and then you've got the ceo uh, suzanne simpson i believe this um how much of yourself? Which which one of those characters are you?
0: Oh, I hope uh, neither one or me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure,
1: <laughs> I it's just like I, I mean, when a, when a writer writes, a lot of times they put some of themselves into that character, right? When in a fiction, um, and I just wonder if, if do you do that, or are they completely made up? I I like to think that I
0: have. Uh, created a point of view for uh, each of the characters. And and I would add a third one into the the, uh, story, A Web of Deceit, uh, Fidelia Morales as well. She is a a major character. So I have three of them there. And I I do my best to create a very distinct uh, point of view for each of those three. Um, I would like to think that... um, None of them actually resemble me, although obviously small things must 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 creep their way in. But they don't. I don't do that consciously, and I do try to create very unique and and distinct characters. Uh, uh, Suzanne Simpson, for an example, is a uh, a chief executive officer, as you say, who actually was born in Canada, grew up in Quebec and, and made her business career in the U.S. So, uh, that in itself is quite an interesting profile and, and brings with it, uh, uh a lot of, a lot of great things that we can do. Uh, doesn't fit my job description at all. Uh, Howard Knight, and he's a fugitive, as you say, but, uh, the connection to, uh, Multima Corporation, where Suzanne Simpson is the CEO, is that uh, Howard Knight, uh, prior to going on the run, was actually a director of that corporation, and um, he made a big mistake, had to escape, and uh, he was on the run from uh, the organization and uh, and uh, uh, some other um, some other elements. And then Fidelia Morelis, who is the, the third character that I mentioned, is a, is a very interesting woman who uh, grew up in, in Puerto Rico, uh, won a scholarship to uh, Columbia University in New York, uh, graduated with distinction, and uh, after a few years of practicing law, uh, became disenchanted and uh, moved to the prostitution business. Uh, where she got tied up in the organization, and uh, when we catch up with her in A Web of Deceit, she is actually the first woman to head the organization. So I think of these as three rather fascinating characters, and and try to
2: build a good story around that. Strong female characters. And I tend to do the same in my fiction. How do you get into the mind of, of your female characters?
0: I think one of the things that I have always tried to do uh, throughout my business career is uh, promote the interests of women. Um, several women that reported to me at various times in the year, in the years uh, have ended up in in senior roles, vice presidents, uh, complete business leaders, CEO or president, um, and. I have always considered that to be a a little bit of a challenge. When I entered the business world, uh, women were very seldom considered uh, valuable management assets. I think that would be a very fair comment to make. They were good workers, they had a role, they made great secretaries and clerks, but uh, very few business people considered uh, women for management roles. Now, let's change dramatically in the last 50 years, of course. But I, I think I was among the early promoters of uh, trying to, to help women advance their careers. And, and by being a mentor to uh, several women in the United States, Canada, Europe, um, it gave me a great opportunity to better understand uh, the way they think about a lot of things. So when I have these events come along or these incidents come along, I try to, uh, transpose and think back to some of those conversations that we had and, and what kinds of reactions they might have. And, uh, usually I get it pretty, pretty close. Not always, but usually. And, and I, I attribute that, uh, you know, that sort of lifelong promotion of women as, as, uh, uh, you know, the main, main factor in being able to do that. Hmm.
1: Just that. So, where do where do your characters come from? Then, like, where where is it that um, you find them? Is this like uh, where you are? You at a coffee shop and you see someone and kind of pick up on their vibe? Or are you uh, are you like David? You hear voices in your head. <laughs> um, like like, they, where do they actually come from?
0: Uh, they come from these long walks. Um, when I when I need to develop a character, I actually develop those characters for the most part during those long walks. Uh, what co- sort of attributes do they probably need to be interesting? Um, how are we going to be able to create the conflict? Uh, where will be their redeeming values, and so on? Um, and uh, I I try to create a create a picture of that individual in my mind, and uh, um, by the time it's it's the time to start writing, uh, I can usually envisage pretty clearly um, what that person looks like, uh, how they talk, what what their ideas are, and and what values they have or don't have.
2: Speaking of uh, hearing voices, <laughs> do you have w- when you write? Do you have an inner monologue going on in your mind? Because uh, some some people have this when they write or when they read. Others see images and symbols, and and kind of transfer that to the page. Uh, do, do you have a specific way that um, that you uh, that you do that? Can you hear the voices as you're? Uh, or they hear the voices of the characters as uh, you're writing? Yeah, I would
0: say I lean more towards hearing the voices rather than visualizing. Um, When I'm out doing those walks, uh, I talk to myself and uh, have have very good conversations. (laughs) Uh, I I try out different lines. I try out different voices. I uh, try different ways of talking so that... um, as I say, it does create a it does create a, a visual picture for me, but but I I would say it comes primarily from from listening to the voices.
1: Hmm, that's interesting. So now now the actual story itself. Um, what's the basic premises premise of a web of deceit? Well, the basic premise is the the new newly
0: uh appointed self-appointed head of the organization um has decided that she is going to remake the organization for a number of reasons uh the story takes place right at the start of the the pandemic in in uh, uh the beginning of 2020 so uh, first of all their their very lucrative prostitution business was being negatively impacted as uh, they weren't getting as many visitors and as much revenue as because people were fearful. Um, as a woman, she had some some, I wouldn't say reservations, but perhaps a little bit of guilt about the way that um, some of the women had been treated and um, less voluntarily. Uh, recruited into the organization so I I think there's a little bit of that underlying guilt and the other component was that she she was also a very good learner and over the years she had picked up a great deal of knowledge about finance how it worked how the stock markets worked where there may be some vulnerable points And she surrounded herself with some people who could help her penetrate those vulnerable points. And she saw that as a very uh, risk, not risk-free, but uh, risk-adverse way of generating hundreds of millions of dollars. So the, 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 the story starts out with her looking from that perspective. At the same time, we have... Multima Corporation, unfortunately subjected to some legal issues related to money laundering, and connected to someone in the Justice Department of the United States who is very close to the White House. And um, we have a story on um, a story traveling out from there at the same time as the organization is looking for a great way to make some new revenue. And Howard Knight, who is trying to avoid it all, becomes mixed up in both of those components.
1: So you, now do you, with your characters and that, do you, do you also write, like, how do I say? Um the um, things that go on between the characters as a character itself. So let's say, you know, fate and misfortune and opportunity is what you say, kind of is what happens in the story. You use that. Um, Are they characters in themselves? I don't write
0: them to be characters, but clearly they have a role to play. And um, I think that, the misfortune um is fairly easy to identify and i think the opportunity is very is fairly easy to identify
1: now um in your locations what kind of settings do you use for a show, uh, a, show a book like web of deceit well, in all my
0: stories, um, I have a fairly international flavor to all of them, uh, because that's the world that I, the world that I lived in. And, uh, if it wasn't for COVID would continue to be, continue to be living in. Uh, I really think of myself as a global citizen and, uh, I've had the good opportunity to visit 42, uh, different countries and, um, one of the exercises that I did Really in COVID-19 when I couldn't travel anymore was I did a, a compilation of the number of cities that I visited over that period of time as well. And, and I had the opportunity to visit over 650 cities as well. So, um, I think of the story taking place on a global basis and, uh, in the web of deceit, for example, we have, uh, Howard Knight, uh, uh starting out in, uh, in the Caribbean and uh, uh, only a few days later is in Asia and uh, we have uh, Fidelia Morales uh, the story starting out with her in uh, uh, in the uh, in Europe and uh, ending up also over in Asia so the the movement and the flights and the uh, the cross-border activity and so on uh, to me is all uh, just a fundamental part of, of how i write the stories and i think um is one of the components that gives it a little bit of the uh a little bit of that extra intrigue because of course a lot of readers haven't had an opportunity to visit some of those spots
1: yeah i think it adds a lot and i think it's something that either even other writers have to go out and find out about when they're writing in a certain location so they because because it has to sound Fairly real, like the setting, you know, mm-hmm. and the research has to come across that way. Was it Was it a struggle with the COVID and writing that at the time um, in a book like this? Because like, when you're writing modern day times, how do you deal with something that's going on that there's no answer for?
0: Well, I really gave it a lot of thought before I, I decided that I would introduce COVID because... Um, I, I think I rightly anticipated that it was, A, going to take quite a bit of time to resolve. I, I recognized, even back last April when I started writing, that we weren't dealing with a 60-day or a 90-day phenomenon, that this is something that would go on for a year or two. And I expected that by the time I finished the story, uh, about the last thing that people would want to read about was the pandemic. Right. And uh as a result, I didn't want it to become a focal point of the story. But I thought that also, because my stories also usually follow a timeline. And um, I thought that it would, it would be very unrealistic to tell a story that was taking place in 2020 without at least involving the pandemic to some extent. So what I tried to do was make references to the pandemic where I thought it was appropriate, but not let it become, uh, shall we say, a subplot or, a, or a, uh, a, a serious player in the story. Uh, it's there. They're dealing with some of the issues related to it, but it's, it's in the background.
1: And, and I, think, I think I did that reasonably well. Yeah, you talk, yeah, and you also, you you know, you're using, um, the idea of deceit and organized crime. Like, uh, now I think a lot of people think that organized crime left. It's not really like, you know, mafia and all that. It's all gone. Um, what, what's the effect of organized crime on business world?
0: Well I think that um of course organized crime has has not gone away and I think I think um although a lot of attention is not given to it um the impact that that uh, the organized elements have on the business world are are very 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 great uh, impacts um I think you know. I was reading an article the other day that uh, talked about it, uh, and and there's a little little quote that I picked up that I'll that I'll share with you. It 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 says, "Mafias are not static structures; they evolve and mutate and increasingly resemble the rest of society." And I think that's a very good description of where organized crime is in the business world because it is today very difficult for even experts to ascertain what level of involvement criminal elements may or may not have. Uh, these folks have become so expert at uh, camouflaging at the same time as investors probably know less about companies and the people who make up the companies uh, than at any time in the past. Um, When we look at some of the things, the shenanigans that can go on in a stock market where literally billions of dollars can be made in, in just a few days by companies that are virtually unknown, you know that... A lot of those investors have not probably given uh, thirty seconds thought to the people who are making up those companies and what characteristics and what values those people have that are going to be running that company. And I think this is very dangerous for both uh, both the, the the stock markets, the world of finance, and our society generally because. The mafia fundamentally are a bunch of bullies who want to control. And uh, the, the greater that they are able to exert that control, I think, the less comfortable it will become for society as a whole.
1: Huh. Um a subtext or something, when, when someone picks up one of your books and reads it, takes it home, is there something you want them to take away from the book besides the story? Well,
0: you know, like, like I think most fiction writers, I, I certainly want them to, uh, first and foremost, find it entertaining. That's, that's my goal, Is when I sit down to write, is to, to, to put pen to paper for a, uh, a very entertaining story. But I think as a subtext in every book, you'll notice that I, I do, uh, have, uh, components that I hope people are going to think about a little bit and organized crime is, is one of those. In the web of deceit, uh, I focus on technology and how sophisticated technology can really be disruptive to our stock markets and 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 how they can how technology can interfere with uh, smooth operating uh, companies around the globe. Um, in earlier books, I've dealt with the uh, human trafficking problem and uh, some of the, uh, of course, the involvement organized crime has with that. But also, I've dealt with some of the, the negative consequences for for our society and so on. So, I I think in each of the books I, I probably do have a little bit of subtext um and i'm hopeful that people will give it some thought but um in none of the stories i think you would you would say i I've, I've written so that those themes become dominant i like them i like them to be in the background while people are entertained with uh what i hope they'll find a very suspenseful story
2: what advice would you give to a person who is either retired or nearing retirement to who wants to make uh, writing their next career?
0: Well, I'm not sure that I would. I would have some some uh, profound advice. Um, I, I, I'll share a little bit of what I've learned from the experience and. Um one of the things that I have personally found very helpful is uh involvement in a writing community. Um, like I suppose a lot of writers when I started out I thought of it as a very solitary activity and when I wrote my my first novel I I had no uh no particular support network other than the the editors that that I worked with and so on. Um, as I learned about a, a writing community in our area I I became a member and over the past few years have become very uh, enthralled with the organization, if you like. Uh, it's a great to have a, a network of contacts who are doing the same sort of thing, who are facing many of the same challenges, who are developing some of the same skills. And uh, I believe I belong to uh, a community called the uh, Writers' Community of York Region and uh we we have about 85 members and uh uh monthly we have people come in and speak to us about their various components of writing uh the, the uh, session i attended last week was a uh, two-hour session devoted purely to point of view and uh, we had a very good author and uh, coach uh, who is uh, uh expert in the area of point of view who shared with the group uh, her observations and her learnings over the year. And those kinds of um, craft enhancements, um, I think can really help individual writers to tell better stories more quickly. And uh, although I think all five of my books are, are very good stories, um, I think, like most writers, I think my fifth one is from a craft perspective, of course, stronger than my first and I'm hoping that the sixth will be even stronger again. So if there is someone who wants to start writing and, and I wouldn't reserve it only for people at age of retirement, I I'd, I'd suggest that as early as possible uh, connecting with a writer's community and benefiting from that kind of, uh, from networking, networking and, uh, expertise.
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, change in, in lifestyle when you do that. Um, did you ever look back at your first book and kind of reread it and think about wanting to change it?
0: No, no, I, I do reread it. Um, I I started um, after my third book. I, I realized uh, when I was out talking at some of these uh, promotional events, I realized that I was sometimes... Uh, starting to blend a little bit of the information from from uh the first three and I I wanted to stop that right away so by design I I do read each of my books um again each year so um I try to keep keep things very fresh and differentiated that way so that when we have this kind of a conversation uh, I can talk comfortably about each of the books without fear of giving away too much information about one uh, when I go into the other and so on. But um, I think that uh, I think that uh, that's, that's you know a, a healthy way to look at it.
1: Hmm. So you now do you have a website or a place that you like people to come and find out about you?
0: Absolutely. and uh, that's at uh, Gary D. McGugan Books. and it's all one, all one word. And uh, people just need to remember to put that initial D in between Gary and McGuggan. So Gary D. McGuggan books. And uh, at that website, I have all of the books uh, featured. Uh, we have uh, lots of reviews uh, from each of the books. Uh, for People who'd like to check out what the more objective people are saying about the stories. And uh, also there's more information about me for people who are interested in Learning more about my background and influences, and uh, I, I welcome anybody to attend to uh, to uh, to visit uh, Gary D. McGookin books.
1: Great. Now we'll have that up on our website too, so people can find it, if, or if they forget, and they can just do one click. Um, very interesting. So, so what's next for Gary? Um,
0: I'm working on uh, novel number six, and uh, it will be again a suspense thriller. And it will also include um, all three of these major characters, Suzanne, Howard, and Fidelia. Um, and uh, I think that uh, it will carry on from where we left off in, uh, in uh, a web of deceit, uh, but it will take a very different direction, uh, still very global in nature, um, obviously still in the period of the pandemic, but, um, I think, I think readers will find that, uh, uh, again, I will tweak the, the values of the characters to adapt to the changing plot and circumstances and incidents that they're going to encounter. And, uh, I think that, you know, one thing I do like to point out is that, um, although my stories run along a little bit of a time continuum, it's not necessary to read uh the books in order as a as a as a writer of course i'd be delighted if if everybody read from three weeks less a day all the way through but um if you choose to just try out one of the books any one of the books i think will give you a good idea of the story and they're, they are all self-contained but i do find ways of of continuing on and linking them to the predecessor um as i'm as i'm creating the story
1: Hmm. Well, is, is this the first time you've done kind of a sequel, like where you have characters reoccur from one book to another, or have you done this before? Um,
0: Suzanne Simpson has uh, appeared in four of the stories. Uh, Howard Knight has appeared in all five of the stories so far, and, and as you will in the sixth. Uh, Fidelia Morales has appeared... Um, in three of the stories and had a major role in only one. So uh, we have those, the, 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 there is some change in the major characters, but there is some continuity. And I like to also think about that a little bit like um, a corporate life, because if you look at a corporation over a five or a ten year period, uh, there will be some people who managed to survive and thrive and, and are there throughout that whole period, but you will have others that come and go you know for, for very you know various reasons and and they're, they're there for various time periods. So my stories are a little bit like that and a little reflection of the of the, the corporate life if you like, where we can still have a continuum but not always with necessarily the same players in the same roles.
1: Hmm. I guess that how do you keep track of that like uh what you've given away about a character in in one book and then five books later how do you make sure that you don't you know go off track or make a mistake or or have to do something or if, or if a particular character might not fit a certain thing that you have them do
0: well my my basic
1: technique is to hope that I don't have a
0: memory failure <laughs> 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 I I do not make copious notes. I do not keep track of of all of the small uh, intimate details. I know some writers do, and and uh, I remember watching. I was an event once where uh, the Canadian author Terry Fallis was explaining how he outlines a story and. And it reminded me of a schematic for building an automobile. He had it so well organized and where every piece fit and so on. I don't have that. Um, so far I do have the, I, a good memory. And, uh, I won't say that I have never made a mistake and, and, uh, dropped off. Uh, but so far, uh, my editors have been able to catch those occasional lapses and uh, we fix them before we get to, uh, before we get to uh, publication, and and I'm hoping that the memory holds out.
1: <laughs> well, we can only hope, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> right. it goes. I mean, it's uh, wow. Well, you've done it all. I mean, you worked at a supermarket. You've done everything. Um, boy, um, writer, everything, and and for people in the uh, Toronto area, if you see. Uh, man walking around talking to himself and (laughs) don't don't be surprised if it's uh not uh gary you know because you don't but don't you know don't don't call the cops on him right away you know (laughs) not right away not right away give him some time (laughs) well it's certainly been an interesting uh time and i'm glad you came on and uh you know hopefully things keep going well for you you know and it sounds like it um Uh, The book we're talking about is A Web of Seat, and we've been talking to its author about writing and how he got into it. So uh, thank you for being here, Gary.
0: Well, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it, and it's been a real pleasure speaking with both of you. Thanks, Gary. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com.
2: The mission has been completed. The end. By George, he's got it. It is the end. I'll see you. If you're lying to me. I'll be back.
1: This has been a production of Something Weird Media.